All right. Y'all can hear me okay? Um, everyone's doing good? Young folk? Y'all doing good? <laughs> My gosh. Um, get into it. It's, it's Sunday. It's a good day. It's like Kanye Sunday service in here. Come on. It's Sunday. Come on. Get up for stuff. It's a good day. Um, let me try to get into this real quick. Hold on. It must have closed out on me. Um, okay, I, I got some stuff. Actually, I kind of want to do a little bit of a, more of a teaching, I guess, if you could, if y'all are okay with that. Y'all good with that? Um, I feel like this stuff will be really good, and you'll really enjoy it, and it'll be helpful and applicable, and you can run with it and do all kinds of stuff in that manner. But um, I want to talk about something real quick. I had this experience. Oh, well, let me, let me back up a little bit, and I'll, I will tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I know some of you guys know who I am, and uh, I'm, again, Josh Hollingsworth, I'm from The Ramp. Uh, the Ramp was founded or started by Karen Wheaton. Um, I, a lot of people think Eddie James started The Ramp. <laughs> he didn't start The Ramp, which is really kind of funny. Actually, this, this is a side note, funny story, just to make sure everyone's alive and paying attention this morning um, to me. But um, I was in Israel in May. And uh, we took a team from our ministry school to Israel, and we do every year. I'll be, we'll be back there in May again. Love going to Israel. I really encourage you guys to go on that trip. It's just uh, phenomenal. I mean, when you go to Israel and you do all kinds of stuff there, and you're walking around and you see all these things, and the scriptures jump out. There's a presence there of its own too, as well. Just where Israel is, it's just wonderful. So I encourage you to go. But we're, we're in Jerusalem. I have a team of ministry school students uh, with me. We're in Jerusalem. And we're at this house of prayer, which is right next to um, TBN's uh, thing and all this kind of stuff. And it's just beautiful. It's a glassed-in house of prayer that's literally going 24-7. And they, the glass window kind of looks into Jerusalem where the hotel is, where the western wall is, where everyone prays. Just brilliant setup, this whole deal. And I've met this, I'm meeting this lady through a friend of mine who is a part of Eagle's Wings, which is Robert Stearns, who we're connected with, and that's why we're over there even. And uh, she comes up to me, and she talks for the longest time how much she loves Eddie James. <laughs> and I, I say, I love him too. You know, I really do. He's a good friend. You know, I love Eddie James. Uh, and she's like, you know, he's done such a great job with the ramp and goes on and on about the ramp. She gives me a big hug, and she says, make sure you tell Eddie James I said hello. And I was like, I will. Um, and no words about Karen Wheaton. It was quite hilarious for me. Because uh, uh, they assumed Eddie James had started, of course, the ramp. Because he's, he's a big part of everything, a big part of worship, all that kind of stuff. But anyways, a funny moment for me, um, being a part of the ramp. Maybe that's a little bit more of an inside joke. But let me say this. Um, I had this experience. I feel this is good for you guys and important for you guys. I had this experience maybe two, three weeks ago. I am. Um, dur- it's, it's during a difficult time. I've had a difficult kind of season where I have, and it's not just a difficult season for myself, it's probably a difficult season um, for the ramp and a lot of people, or maybe just the senior, I'm part of the senior leadership um, there, so is my wife Betsy right here. Um, But I'm having this difficult season, and um, some of the leadership, the senior leadership, and 
the broader rent community are just going through a difficult season. And in this difficult season, it's, it, it's like all of these thoughts are attacking. Thoughts that um, are more critical, accusatory. Um, they, they start to stir up criticism and accusation in different ways that are more the criticism and blame and frustration between one another. This kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about? Does this make sense? And it just starts to... So this, so this is, is in this kind of place. And um, most of us, because we've built in these principles that have become pillars in our life, uh, um, our, our character, our inner man is strong, we are going to stand on closing our mouth and not being a jerk towards one another. Does that make sense? Um, we're going to stand on these principles within ourselves, even though we can feel kind of the heaviness of it, almost trying to rest on us or get in our mind and try to get inside of us. Does that make sense too as well? Okay, so this is the context of what's going on. And uh, I, I'm up at this lake house uh, to write and I'm finished a, a book and I'm working on it. And I um, go to sleep that night. I have this dream, just wonderful kind of glowing dream with the Lord that has a big key for me in it. But I wake up from this dream at maybe 3.30, 3.45 a.m. And for me, um, I often, uh, when I have dreams that are very particular, I wake up <laughs> somewhere at 3 o'clock or maybe early uh, 4 on that side of it. And I always have this decision to make coming out of the dream after I've written it down, usually, uh, of, am I going to go back to sleep or am I just going to stay up and be with the Lord? So I always kind of have this um, uh, factor. And oftentimes, unfortunately, I say, um, Lord, I'm, I'm tired. I've got to do stuff at 8 a.m., you know, and i got to get up at 7 or 6.30, and I'll go back to sleep. But I, I stayed awake, thankfully, on this Saturday morning, and I, um, I just started, you know, walking back in this lake house. And it's just a beautiful area. It overlooks the lake. It's just uh, a beautiful lake in Alabama, northern Alabama. And I'm just praying and I'm talking to the Lord and all of a sudden, I get into this place where I'm thanking the Lord. I'm just, Lord, I, I thank you. I thank you for so many things. I just, I thank you for just the small details. My wife and my children, my three daughters. I have three daughters. We have two daughters here. I just, Lord, thank you for my new baby, for my wife. Thank you for, I've got good teeth. You know what I mean? I'm just like, thank you for everything that I have. I have good health that, um, I have, a, I have a good family. I mean, my, my family has its craziest. You know what I mean? It has its stuff. But I thank you for my family. I, I love my brothers, and me and my brothers love each other. You know, I just thank you. I'm just going on and on and on. And I, as, as I'm doing this, I feel something come into the room. Now, and I, when I say I feel something coming in the room, I don't say I feel like a presence on my hands. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking like I feel like someone's walking around in the room. And it feels so strong, I can feel the presence, and I want to stop because I'm a little bit worried about what I'm going to turn around and see. It's that kind of thing. And um, I'm like, oh, Lord, someone's in the room. You know, it's like this. And um, I, can, I can't see anything with my eyes, but I can feel it so strong, and it, I can see kind of 
almost it looks like an invisible movement um, moving around me. And I, all of a sudden, I feel the heaviness that I've been trying to keep out and not let get inside and not step into that critical thing, that blaming thing, that, accuse, that, that accuser that kind of gets in there, that religionized thing that starts accusing and gets judgmental, all these kinds of things. I, I feel it all of a sudden lift off of me. And when it lifts off of me, it, it's almost like it's not inside of me, but it gets heavy on your heart because of the burden and the heaviness of the whole thing. Does that make sense? And um, it's, it's like wearing something heavy, but when it's spiritual, it almost gets over the heart. If I can give that visual. And I feel it kind of get off my heart, off my shoulders, off myself. It literally feels like someone took something off of me. And I feel, bright, I feel light. Like I feel liberty. I feel like the liberty of it. And then I feel I can literally tangibly feel like it looks like it feels like other garments, literally like another cloak coming on me. And I, I instantly knew, I instantly knew that this was the garments of praise and gladness. I hear the words clearly gladness, but I know it has to do with praise too as well. And I know that praise has to do with thanksgiving. I know that these are all connected to the garments of praise that we see in Isaiah 61. We see in Luke 4 when Jesus reads out Isaiah uh, and he starts to say, this is this time in this moment. Um, and the anointing, he's describing the, the anointing that breaks the yoke. Is that right? Everyone know this? And he describes what he exchanges everything for. I feel this manifestation of the exchange of this thing in the moment. So much so that I know it and I immediately become like glad. Like I'm happy. And I, I'm not like happy, ha ha, like I just saw a good comedy. I'm like, I'm, I'm glad. Like I, ha I feel it. I feel glad. And I can't, I mean, for the next two hours, I start thanking the Lord as if it's like I just got reborn. You know what I mean? I'm just excited. I am blowing up with thanksgiving and praise. And, and it's easy. There's just a grace to it. I feel light. I feel liberty. I feel the freedom of it. I feel like I want to dance around the room almost. And I kind of do. And I'm drinking my coffee now. And I'm up really early. And I'm having this whole time with the Lord. And there's nothing better for me to, that when I'm alone and by myself and I get time with the Lord. And in the dream, I have a dream where I'm spending time with the Lord. And I come out of it and now I'm spending time with the Lord. This is, I mean, this is a great morning. I would get up all the time in the morning like this if I can have this kind of morning. Lord, let's do this often. So I feel this thing going on. And I, I just feel it's so important for everybody in here that this isn't just a holiday, Thanksgiving and Christmas. I feel there was something that was encountering me in a way, and, and the Lord loves a reward. Let me get something straight. The Lord, Revelation 2 and 3, I mean, 1, 2, and 3, but Revelation 2 and 3, when it's talking about seven churches, we see all this reward lay out. It's, it's incredible how much the Lord, he, he talks to the church and says, I see all these wonderful things you've done. I love how you do this and this and this. This I have against you, but when he's talking about I have against you, he's talking about correction, like to a, a, a father to a, a child, 
right? He's, if you correct this, you can get this reward. Because this will happen when you correct this and you have access to this reward. I'll loose it over you. I'm a big giver. I'm constantly generous in giving. I give gifts. I give all kinds of things. I give my son to the world, right? It's just a huge giver. I'm, I'll give you more rewards. So the Lord, every time we kind of correct something or shift something or exchange something, He always gives a reward. But the thing is that's for, that's so big for me is it isn't just this like practical thing. Sometimes we need that spiritual presence to be on us in that way. Does that make sense? When that spiritual presence is on us in that way, we feel better. We feel stronger. It's easier to thank the Lord. This is crazy. Every time you look at Thanksgiving in Scripture, there's always this place of multiplication. Have you ever noticed that when there's gratitude and thanksgiving from Jesus, like the Lord, actually, in that way, anytime He does that, He looks at food, He's given you know, a little bit of food from a little bit of oil, a couple of fish, a little bit of bread. You know, He's got about seven things that He could maybe feed seven people. And he's not in this position. He's wearing a different anointing. He's Jesus Christ, the anointed one, right? The Christ, the anointed one. He's wearing and living under this anointing. He walks in this anointing. It is his anointing that he gives us to break the heavy yokes that tend to weigh us down, to make us feel heavy, to make us go through these periods where we're kind of like, woe is me, Lord, I'm on this side of the earth, help me get through life, I, all this stuff, I want to. I can't get breakthrough in my life, I feel like I'm under and not above, or I feel like I'm at the tail and not the head, and all these different things that are going on in our life, and then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up, the anointed one, and what does he do? He has a little bit that he's dealing with with us, right? has a little bit from us, and then he, he, just, he simply says this, thank you, Lord. And then, and then go and loose the miracle. Isn't that crazy? It's, it's just amazing to me how simple it is, but it's like you have to be in the Spirit when you do something. When you are out of the Spirit and in your area, in your will, in your zone, it's like when you try to do thanksgiving, the best that you get really out of the moment is you're trying to overcome and get the reward. But when you're in the Spirit and you're living in the reward in that way, there's something that when you say, I thank you, Lord, that there's multiplication that's more tangible. Does that make sense? It's really, it's really important to understand this. I, it, for, even for me, I'm having a new revelation of it. I've had revelation of it. I've known that. I know that in my difficulties, I want to praise the Lord because I don't want to stay in my difficulties. I want to walk it out. I want to get out of the valley. I want to keep moving. I don't want to get stuck in some spot. I don't want to like go to, I don't want to be in a, in a area that has a lot of creeks and stuff like that and then go to a bog and then sit in the bog. You know, you know what I'm saying? I want to keep moving and I want to keep building. I want to keep growing and going. So I've learned how to, in my character, in my soul. And when I say soul, I'm meaning in Scripture, you're in, in a very practical, very um, simplified way, I'm meaning your mind, will, and emotions. I'm talking about your mind, will, and emotions. But when I, soul is more your whole personality. It's more your whole kind of person, me and you, that we're as independent almost from the Lord, it makes us us. Does that make sense? So when you die, yes, your soul goes with you. Your body, the outer thing, it stays. But when I'm using that language, you might have a little bit of different theology. That's okay. We'll still get to the same objective 
But uh, when I'm talking about your soul, I'm talking about your personality, your mind, will, and emotions. It's going. But you have this spirit that now with Jesus in there can intermingle and move throughout your soul. Does that make sense? So when you are when you get in the spirit, when that union is being led by the spirit, that Romans eight, the sons and daughters of God are sons of God, plural, right? Sons and daughters of God are led by the spirit of God, right? All creation is groaning for these sons and daughters, right? So Romans eight is a big deal. Paul is constantly trying to distinguish this stuff throughout the book of Romans to establish identity in us properly, right? So we have this kind of situation, but when you get into the spirit, when that place of union, when the when you say, Lord, in this moment, I need your anointing to break the yoke because I want to get back into the spirit. I don't want to live like I'm willing myself through the difficulty because when I'm willing myself through the difficulty, it's just hard. I feel heavy. It's really difficult to have faith when I'm in my will. Because in my will, like Josh's will, if I'm in my will, I'm at best doing stuff out of my soul that's independent from the Lord. Does that make sense? this This is such a real thing because in simplicity what I'm talking about is we need to be led by the Spirit and function from Spirit to Spirit. Right. Because God is spirit. He's the invisible world and he's he's putting his spirit in us so that we can have union and open up into his world and welcome his world in to manifest and establish itself on earth. But to the degree of welcoming and hosting and bringing that in is to the degree of the incredible that goes on around us. And if we want the incredible supernatural thing to be in our lives and not separate it like a good Greek Western person, right? We separate everything. We do our spiritual thing here, our will thing here, and our body thing here, our nutrition program here, our will. I'm going to listen to um, self-help books today, and then I'm going to go to church and do my spiritual thing. You know, we separate everything, right? We don't have a biblical worldview. We need to bring it all together. They're not separated. They're not separated. The the spirit of the, the Lord and the spiritual things, a biblical worldview, infuses and brings all of those together. They're just not separated that much. They're integrated together. They're integrated together. And it's so important for us to understand how to get into the Spirit. How to live from the spiritual place. How to live and be led by the Spirit and be in communion and with the Lord, Spirit to Spirit. And live um, not just reading Scripture, right? The truth, Right? The written logos, right? The logos is the written word talking about the actually a living Torah. But the we put it into because it was captured in writing. So we've we've missed we've messed that logos thing up a little bit. But it's it's captured into we we have captured the word into scripture. But it's not alive unless it has the spirit in it. Right. It's just a paper Torah. It's just a paper book. Right. But when the spirit is infused in our reading, it's living and alive to us like I'm getting stuff. It's feeding me. It's actually giving me revelation. I'm living like I'm living with Jesus alive in my room when I'm reading the scripture, when it's infused with the spirit, when it's been led by the spirit. So this is big stuff because 
our Christian walk can just be Christian and not led by the Spirit, which means we're not walking with Jesus, we're walking with Jesus in a separate place, knowing Him. Is that, is it, is it, you see what I'm saying? Like, I can be a Christian, I can be a Christian, and I can know Jesus. Like a Muslim knows Allah. We're separated, He's out there, He's God, Right? But when I'm led by the Spirit, He's Lord God. And he's he, and I say Lord because He's Lord over our lives, and He's Lord in everything, and He's infused in everything. But him being Lord over my life doesn't mean I do more Christian stuff. That's still Jesus separated. That's still God separated. This is, this is such a big deal. You, you, think of it like this. I, I'm kind of going on a tangent. I'm not even getting to my stuff yet, but... Just go with me. Are we, are we okay? Come on. This is good stuff. I'm, I'll even get to a, 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 better, a better picture, maybe hopefully for everybody. And I hope this becomes living for you as well. I, I'm going to talk almost about it until I feel a tangible thing going everyone. So they really feel like they're going somewhere with the Lord. Because I don't want you to get me. I really want you to get something from the Lord. Like a living deposit from the Lord. Or, or like a, the breath of Him come over you and, and take you somewhere in your own life. Rather than just me help you out. Right? Or something of this nature. But look at it like this. The devil, the, the devil comes to Adam and Eve. And uh, Adam has already heard the words from the Father. He, he's walked with him in the cool of the day, right? Adam has walked with the Lord in the cool of the day. That, that actually, the cool of the day, the wording used in there is ruach, which means the breath of the Lord. In other words, he was walking in the garden with the wind, the breath, the Holy Spirit walking and wrapped around him and moving. That was the cool of the day. That was the presence of the day, right? So this is, you have this, this fellowship, this person made of the earth and of spirit that's in the image and likeness of the Lord in this way, walking with the Holy Spirit wrapped in common union with Him. And he's, Adam's doing this and he hears the voice of the Lord. He knows he's not supposed to eat this tree and he knows the Lord well. The Lord, L-O-R-D. And then, and then Eve comes along and he finds finally a perfect helpmate who eye to eye, mouth to mouth, face to face, who can really deal with me. You know what I mean? And I can really deal with her. We can really be congruent. And I have someone like me in that way to walk with in my life. So we have all this stuff. And then Eve has this deception moment. And you see where the, the, the enemy begins the deception. He says, does, has God really said so-and-so about the tree, right? He doesn't put the Lord in there. Have you ever noticed that? Like, I recently noticed that he doesn't have the Lord in God. He just says God. But every other time when Adam's talking to the Lord, there, it says the Lord. In other words, someone that is, he's fully surrendered. And I'll, I'll talk even a little bit about that surrender word. He, there's the Lord is in his life, and all of a sudden the devil doesn't mention the Lord because the devil doesn't believe he's Lord over his life. He's cast out, right? He's separated. He's in a different place. He knows God, but God is not Lord over his life, is he? And so immediately you have Eve try to capture, uh, the, in, uh, 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 the devil try to capture Eve in that place of, did, the, did God say this? He's already weaving in a place of you being separated from the Lord and back in your own soul, right? Your, your personality, your independent person. 
That's crazy. You say your soul is good. The Lord has made it. It's great. You need it. It's part of you, a personality. It just needs to be um, surrendered and um, following and led by your spirit-to-spirit kind of fellowship in that way so that you, yes, are a friend of God and you're building life, the tree of life, fruits of life, good things, Galatians 5, all the fruits of the Spirit on the earth and not just destroying people again and again, right? And doing things that seem good in the moment but end up being very destructive and evil later on or something of this nature, right? So you have this stuff going on. And so you have this deception. Then you fast forward to when Jesus shows up on the earth from that Adam and Eve moment that we just talked about. Again, the devil comes. At, Jesus has been in the wilderness for literally 40 days, and he's been doing this whole fasting thing, which I don't understand how he did. I've been trying to do 40-day fast. Can't get it. I pass out every time before I even get there. I can't accomplish it. My Lord, what's the deal? I'm like, worried, worried about it. Am I not good enough or something? But uh, so, so he takes, the devil brings Jesus out of this place and has the same three temptations that the devil tempted Adam and Eve with. And their situation, lest the eyes, lest the flesh, pride of life, First uh, John, the, the Apostle John talks about it. And so these, these deceptions, these um, pleasures of the eyes, the uh, lust of the flesh, the pride of life is um, woven and given a visual in front of him. And the entire time he's questioning his identity during this moment of giving him this independence from God. And he uses again the language God instead of Lord, in this whole kind of place. And then Jesus turns around and says, you are he basically rebukes him, there is only one Lord. He doesn't, start to, he doesn't just go to... He already knows who the Father is. He starts calling him Lord. Jesus starts calling him Lord. I mean, he is Lord. He's God. But he fully surrendered, right? Fully surrendered so that we could do all things, understand all things that we could step into with him, Right? And so we're learning how to make the Lord, our Lord, God, our Lord in our life. And um, when we do that, we learn how to be led by the Spirit. We learn how to walk in the Spirit. We learn how to live in Isaiah 61, which is our portion because Jesus has come, because the blood has been shed, because He did all these things on the cross. And we have now this huge access of restoration and justification, which is incredible. I mean, it's incredible, it's incredible, it's incredible. We have this moment that we live in so we can walk in the Spirit. That means I have a place to have a tangible presence and manifestation of gladness on me. Not I'm willing myself into gladness. Have you ever done that before? I've done that so many times, probably a hundred and plus times. I've willed myself into uh, Isaiah 61, into exchanging something. I'm like, Lord, I will myself in there. I'm going to be glad. I'm going to be glad today. I'm going to say five gratitude things this morning. You know, you know, or something like that. That's not bad. That's not. It might even be a bridge for your moment uh, in some fashion. That's not that bad. But you're still willing yourself. And it's still a struggle, and it's still a struggle. It ends up being a struggle for like a couple months in that way. But what happens is, is when we when we invite the Lord, help me get into the Spirit. Help me come and break the yoke. And help me get there. Lead me and put something of your garments on me. Because I have that place with you. I need something real for my day. 
I have, a, I have difficulty at work today. I have situations I've got to deal with. I had a dream last night that I've got to go deal with the situation uh, of what I know is going to happen in a meeting. And that dream just confirmed it. And I need your joy and your gladness. I need to have a sound mind in this moment. I had a wise person once tell me when I was a young young um, man, a, a, a father kind of figure uh, in my life. And he told me, he was like, He's like, don't ever, don't ever try to deal with the person um, when their ego's up and you bring your ego in. Two egos um, in, a, uh, in dealing in a situation that never works. Something always goes wrong. And I've, I've always thought about that. That's a, that's a great um, thing, a great jewel that I learned, a great pearl that I learned um, from that father figure. And uh, it's true, it's true. I need to be led and functioning in the spirit when I deal with another person's ego. Right. I, when I'm dealing with someone else's soul, their independence from the Lord and they are doing their thing. I need to be led by the spirit in the moment so that I can change the atmosphere of my moment so that it goes well for me, so that I have favor now in this situation, so that I have open doors still or doors closed. I don't want. And it really is a, an issue taken care of. Is, does that make sense? Where I, if I want to be supernatural in my situations, if I want to be supernatural in um, on my day and in, in my walk and in my lifestyle, I need to learn really how to be led by the Spirit. I can't talk about it. I've actually got to learn how to do it. It's such a thing that the disciples spend three and a half years around Jesus, who is Lord, right? Jesus, they spend three and a half years messing it up quite often, pretty consistently. Actually, Peter, you would figure, would figure it out. Because he has things like these revelation moments. He has like walking on water moments. You know what I mean? He has, you're the Christ, the anointed one moments. He has these big revelation moments. He does stuff that Christians in churches have not even done. He does that kind of stuff when he's with Jesus, walking around Jesus. And you figure that he would figure it out. But when they come and get Jesus and Jesus is so calm immediately Peter goes to chop a person's head off. He's carrying a sword. He literally is carrying like a long dagger close to a sword and he goes to chop the person's head off. Doesn't fully hit their head and gets their ear. And Jesus, so in the Spirit, picks up the ear and puts it on the person's head and then goes with them because he's so... he's The, the, the Father's voice has lordship and he knows what he's about to accomplish for the world for the world for an an eternal everlasting purpose does that make sense that's crazy he's so surrendered because he doesn't have he doesn't see the good that can later be used for evil what that peter does right peter it's like i'm defending my my god jesus I'm defending him. This is good, right? No, it's not. But he wouldn't see that because he's so in his soul. He's so in his independence. He's so in his will in that moment. He thinks he's doing good things. He thinks in his ego against that, uh, that army's ego that he's doing something good, but he's not. And the Lord comes and does something that shows him a different way, that shows him a way that's above the situation, that's going to be more long-standing, that's going to be more fruitful for thousands upon thousands of years for humanity. 
So this is such a big deal. This is such a big thing for us to actually learn how to walk in the Spirit. It will do you no good to hear to go to church every Sunday and hear sermons. I'm not trying to take you away from the church. I love this church. And I'm not saying anything of that nature. I'm talking about, it will, it, you can't, we can't, we can't just do American Christianity anymore. We actually have to walk what Jesus told us to walk in. What Paul told us to walk in. What After the Holy Spirit came, they all walked in and they're constantly telling us how to walk in it. That's all they're doing. I mean, uh, Luke is writing about it. But the rest of them are talking about how to do it, right? And we've, we've got to learn how to do this really well because then the world will know who we are. Then the world will know who we are and the earth will feel peace because of the groaning of it. The groaning of it. At such a time as this, we are born. At such a time as this that we can walk like Samuel and um, become this voice in our in this this atmosphere that we're dealing with in our nation, with this chaos that we're dealing with in our nation. We have at such a time we can be a Samuel, or in such a time we can be a Samson, who's constantly dropping the ball and finally gets one win at the very end. You know what I mean? Um, it's like we have such a time that we live in. It's such a big deal. Um, that we recognize the hour of what we actually live in and what's going on in the world. Let me talk about just what's even going on in the world. There's massive shift happening across the globe in Christianity. I mean, an unprecedented, incredible research by PhDs and doctors of seminary upon seminary upon seminary that are aware that there is a mass move happening globally. Maybe the there, Right now, there is maybe the biggest global movement to Jesus that we've had since the very beginning. I mean, it's incredible. Iran has had 2 million people saved in about 12 years. In Iran. 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 I mean, we're always questioning Iran. We have been in probably our lifetime. I mean, what are they doing sometimes? Sometimes you want to just say, just go ahead and shoot a missile or something. I mean, it's like constantly they're trying to say that they're killing somebody, at least Israel, right? I mean, it's constant. And then all of a sudden, this breath of the Lord moves like wildfire. And, they, and the, the dictator, totalitarian Islamic regime functioning in their government can't do anything about it. It's so like wildfire moving. I have, I have personal friends that are, that are going into Iran every year uh, and moving across and a part of some of these great moves. I mean, you have moves all over the Middle East. Afghanistan. There's a move happening in Afghanistan. There's, there's literally crusades happening in Pakistan. People are being saved by the tens of thousands every year in Pakistan. Pakistan has a faster growing church than the U.S., in the U.S., it's incredible. This this hasn't happened in the Middle East since the, probably the sixth or seventh century, when Islam came and took over. Right? There's more people being saved um, in the Middle East than it has in the past 1,400 years. It's crazy globally. China, China has this chaos going on in Hong Kong, which is probably the most Christianized spot in China. But yet, China is still having mass movement of Christianity and has been since the 80s. It still has a one. I mean, incredible movement of people being saved. The heavenly man, all these guys coming out of China. I mean, they're leading tens of thousands of people 
all over China. Cuba, what, it's like when Fidel died, it's like the church came alive. I mean, and it's the Pentecostals. I mean, they are rising out of the woodwork everywhere. They're getting saved constantly. I've, I was in Cuba just about two years ago. I've got some great friends. I've got this uh, one friend who's a, um, kind of, I, I consider an apostolic figure. And he's got upwards to 40 churches that's just opened up this past 10 years. 40 churches in Cuba. I mean, Pentecost, I mean, on fire, moving, in your face. And there's still, there's still communism going on. They still have difficulty. Their, their Internet is not working that great. You know what I'm saying? They can't call one another. They don't, they don't own anything unless they're doing it in their, their back room or the bathroom of their house. They don't own anything. They don't own farmland and stuff like that. But yet, the Lord is, is breaking out in Cuba all over the world. I mean, there's movements that are re-energizing kind of itself. We live in an incredible hour, even though the hour seems dark in some ways. There's incredible things going on. So it's our time to now actually step into the things of the Spirit. I don't mean just like the grace gifts, like the gifts of the Spirit. I mean that and more, much, much more. And it's so important for us to understand how to walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, even do the gifts out of the Spirit. And this is um, something I actually did want to talk a little bit about. But one of the major things that I see being a part of the uh, prophetic ministry, a part of a lot of healing, a part of a lot of um, the kind of the revival culture, even with the ramp among young um, people mainly, is kind of our, our main area. Obviously, it's very broad, and Miss Karen does a lot of large, a lot of win- women's conferences, and um, just, you know, we do a lot of different stuff, but we spent our main target um, with that college and high school age group because that's the smallest percent. There's around, I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, but 18 and under, there's about 4% of our country, 18 and under, um, know um, Jesus and are in a church. About 4%. It's the smallest we've ever had in American history with our youth. So it's, it's, it's very small. They're actually professing Christians. They're actually connected in, in a church. Very small in our country. I mean, the Bible Belt might still be okay, but outside the Bible Belt, it, it is not. And so we, we do a lot of stuff in this area because we, we see this generation in a very big way. And it's important and valuable to us. But as they grow up, and even the ministry school that we have, we get a first, second, third year ministry school. And we see these young leaders that we're training up and loosing into the earth. One of the big things that we, we see is that they start using the gifts and they start functioning in the gifts out of the soul, out of their abilities, out of just the gift and not in the spirit. And people can't tell the difference. People don't know the difference. They don't know the difference of someone actually in the spirit producing the fruit of the spirit when they start to prophesy over someone or start to loose healing or pray for healing compared to something being in and of the spirit. And it's a big deal for me because I see the fruit of it over long term. I've been saved for a little while now. I've been in ministry for a little while now. And so I'm starting to see the fruit of the functioning of the supernatural, of the gifts in our churches. And I'm worried at the, the amount of fruit that's actually being produced, the life that's actually being produced in people's lives. Is, are y'all good with me? Uh, so this is, this is a big deal for me. For example, we are these people that can walk in this powerful union with the Lord. And, and, and just to say this, 
I am, I'm bigger on just trying to push you to prophesy. You are sons and daughters of God. You can walk in the Spirit. It isn't that hard. It isn't that far out of reach. We need to access by faith the, all the realm of, the, uh, I mean, of heaven. We need to function stronger in our faith. We need to not be afraid. We need to be more like Daniel. And even if the worst fear is in front of us, not put a bushel of fear on top of us, but take it off and be a light in the world because Jesus told us to be a light in the world. I'm big on just like getting you out there and get going and starting to do this stuff. I'm really big on it. I lean heavy on the, the encouragement, boldness, speaking into all the Joshua's so that we step into the promise and, and Caleb's so that we step into the promised land. I'm really big on that. I'm, I, I overdo that to make sure because I want confidence and freedom and liberty built in our sons and daughters, in our people, in our houses, in our churches, and for us to just start prophesying, start praying for healing, start praying for people. But at the same time, as we grow up and we start to get beyond a few years old in our spiritual person, right? That we're, um, we're older now. We're getting older in the spirit. We've, we've had multiple generations since the charismatic movement, since the Jesus movement, since the Catholic charismatic movement. We've had multiple generations now since Azusa that have been using and functioning the gifts of the spirit, right? We've had works and moves in the U.S. We've had so much given to us. And so we need to go beyond just something of the past. We need to grow up from just something that's happened in the past. We need to learn a whole lot from that. And we need to grow up and grow a little bit farther, a little bit older, and become a little bit more mature. Because we've got to do that before Jesus comes, right? Because He wants a mature bride. He wants a mature person. The fivefold ministry is there to help you become a mature bride, a mature body, right? So all this stuff has got to come in place. So we've got to get there. We can't just wait another generation and go through the motions, right? We've got to get there. We can do it. We're there. We've got time. We can get there. You know what I'm saying? But so when I see, for example, I, I, have, I have people that I know that, can, that have a strong gift. And the gifts and calls of God are irrevocable. Some psychics have a gift, have a gift in their life. But the thing is, is dialed into something else. It's like a satellite dish being dialed into something else. I one time was doing this um, uh, big New Age outreach. Um, I had a team of people. We were going to this huge New Age festival. And I'm looking at this one particular guy. And this one particular guy could, I mean, he could read your mail. I mean, you would think that he, you, if he was in here and he was reading your mail, you'd be like, this guy is a prophetic voice, him and Sean Bolts. I mean, you would be like that. I'm, I'm dead serious. Makes a lot of money. He has a website. He charges people for dream interpretation. He charges people for prophetic words for his time. I mean, it's, and it's expensive. I mean, it's like $500 for 30 minutes. I mean, he charges people pay for I mean, he makes a lot of money. And he just, I mean, he can ramble it off. He believes, he believes that Jesus is one of the ways um, to God. He believes Jesus is one of them. But yet he can do this gift. And can we discern it? I literally, this is, I don't, I'm trying not to go down these roads with these stories. But there's, there's literally, he's attached to a church that is, um, are Christian Wiccans. They do black magic and Christianity. I'm being serious. This is in Boston. It's not a small church either. I mean, it's, it's like in the deception that's there. And if the move of God came, what, who's who? Paul's walking around in Acts 16. He's walking around 
And he's literally, Paul and Silas are a living, walking movement everywhere they go. They're outside the church. They walk around, they start preaching, they start doing miracles and healing. They are a movement, thousands of people. It's like an outside conference, a giant outside conference following these two around. And there's one particular lady that is declaring that these men are with God. These men, she's prophesying, these men are of God, declaring these men are of God. Follow these men. Follow these men. They are of God. Not Lord, God, right? And everyone, you would think, this sound, that sounds like a good prophetic word. Yes, that sounds right. That sounds like the right word from a person that is known in this conference. And she's actually known in that area. She's known for being a psychic. She's known for um, being a spiritualist that get, it, does readings for people that come into this area. This is Acts 16. 16 is the main spot. And it bothers Paul for three days. So this thing that seems like it's a right word, a Christian word, and a move of the Lord with these two voices of the Lord, Paul and Silas, going around. This powerful moment, this powerful thing that's happening, this lady's declaring and seems connected and for them and encouraging them and all this kind of good stuff. But it's annoying Paul for three days. And finally, on the third day, he gets tired of it, walks up to her. He discerns that this is a, a, a spirit of python, a spirit of divination. And he casts it out of the lady. And it shoots the whole place into an uproar because she's connected to a person who's the head businessman of this area. And now, um, because Paul's done that and he's cast that uh, spirit out, that divination is gone and she can't tap into her gift anymore. Because the, the gift is not able to connect with the divination. The spirit. Does that make sense? The demonic spirit, not the God spirit. Does that make sense? So there's this moment that Paul is discerning. This is how incredible the book of Acts was. Look how often, Acts 21, Agabus, Paul's entire journey is incredibly prophetic. This is the culture that we have to become. Paul is traveling. He's going towards an area. He shows up at Philip's place. Philip is this incredible evangelist. Paul's had these supernatural encounters on the, sh- the trip. People, believers on the ship have prophesied, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem because they have a prophetic word. And Paul's like, okay, okay, okay. He thinks about it. And he shows up to Philip's house. It's Acts 21. And um, he's, uh, Philip's in there. It's just, he's been doing ministry all over the place. And Philip's encouraging Paul about Jerusalem. He's got daughters. He's got four daughters that are prophetess. These prophets um, and these daughters. Then Agabus comes along, who's already a well-known prophet, a well-known seer, actually, and a prophet because of the language and the words that are used are actually for a seer, but he's a prophet. And he shows up and he says, the man that owns this belt, he ties the hands and the, the um, feet together. He says, um, when, you, uh, if you, when you go in this direction, you're going to be bound. This man is going to be bound like this. And all the people, because he's going towards Jerusalem, they're like, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. And what does Paul do? He's seen all these prophetic words. He's been around a prophetic and a supernatural culture. He's been in front of prophetesses. He has this prophet, and they're saying right stuff. But Paul also has a prophetic gift. They all have a prophetic gift. They all know how to be led and function in the Spirit and operate in their gifts. And Paul is so... They're all so used to the culture of this prophetic um, community and people and um, leaders and company. They're all so used to it that even Paul knows that he's still got to go to Jerusalem because he knows his outcome. He knows his objective and he know, he's being led by the Spirit and he knows that he has to go. And he's not afraid of anything. He doesn't walk in fear. So he's not doing this in his will. 
So he doesn't have fear. When you're doing it in your will, your will and your mind, if it's, if it's overwhelming, you can get anxiety, right? You can, get, you can feel the fear of it. You can feel overwhelmed, worn out, all these things of it. Paul doesn't function from his will. He has peace because he's going to a place that he knows it's going to be okay. And even though the prophetic word is more of a seer word, it's a picture. It's not, he did, Agabus doesn't even say Jerusalem. It's a picture that he's prophesying. That's why the details are not exact. It's showing a picture of something that's going to happen. That picture ends up happening, right? The details don't play out, but the picture ends up happening. He goes there and Paul moves into the next place of ministry that he's supposed to do. Do you you see what I'm saying? One culture has multi-prophetic gifts and offices all around all the communities that are around it. The believers, to the ministers, to the well-known prophetic voices. Multiple um, culture of the prophetic office. And they can prophesy and give pictures and they can show and they can give direction and clarity. And even within that, they can function from the Spirit so well that they still step into things that it doesn't seem like they would actually step into or want to step into or turn back from. Does that make sense? There's so much, there's so much wisdom and understanding and they're being led and functioning in the Spirit, even with their gifts. And everyone is functioning in their gifts. That's incredible. That's an incredible culture and a community. But we're in these places where if we get one prophetic word, and it's so simple, and it's, it's, it could be from the soul. It could be not in the Spirit, just out of a gift that's picking up maybe the feelings and the emotions and desires of a person. And we speak that back to him. The person's like, yep, I, my desire is confirmed. I'm going to win American Idol. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And I don't, but I don't even sing it with the worship, you know, with the worship team. It's, 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 it's like, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I want, to, I want us to grow up in this gifting, in the strength of the Spirit, where we're so aware that no deception don't bring in some weird theology into my house. See what I'm saying? Don't bring, don't act like you're with the pastor and try to manipulate your manipulate your way all the way up right next to him. You see what I'm saying? Because we are so in the spirit, we will discern what is right and wrong. We will discern the intention, the desire behind your heart and your mind. You see what I'm saying? That's powerful. That's important. I, wait a minute. Did you say I, you have a gift, but you don't believe Jesus is Lord? Well, John already tells me that you're not with him. You're not of God. You're actually functioning from the anti-spirit, the antichrist, right? You're functioning because you deny the Lord as Lord. Remember, we'll go back to the devil with Adam and Eve and then with Jesus. You deny him as Lord. He knows he's God. But when you deny him as Lord, then we're talking about an issue. Because in the church, he's Lord, Jesus is Lord in this house. You see what I'm saying? And the Lord, when we say the name of Jesus, when he's our Lord, stuff's going to happen. If someone knows that he's God, and they try to cast out a spirit using his name, but they don't know him as Lord, then like the seven sons of Sceva, they're just going to get chased off. Jesus, I know. Paul, I've heard his name. Who are you? You see what I'm saying? But when you know him as Lord... That Lord word is talking not about not surrender like learn how to do the Ten Commandments. It is it's, the Lord is talking about fellowship, 
it's literally describing the language of Adam walking with, uh, with the Lord in the garden. It's fellowship. It's partnership. It's friendship. It's, it's union and connection. That's lordship. It's I've surrendered to a, a higher power. And that lordship, that partnership, I'm in partnership with this person, not that person over there who tends to deteriorate everything he touches. You see what I'm saying? That's different. And when Jesus is Lord over your life, you can speak to the fig tree and it can be cursed or bring life. Does that make sense? So this is, this is a big deal. It's like you can discern. It's like you will hear a prophetic word and you don't feel the love in it. Like the presence of the love. It's like, God, that guy, that guy is kind of strong and harsh. You know what I mean? You ever heard someone who's this like like doing all this ministry stuff and they're just they're kind of they have like their egos involved like i've been around a couple guys that they'll be prophesying doing the ministry and they're strongly gifted but it's like their egos involved they're functioning all their gift they still have the gift so people the razzle and the dazzle and the ooze and the ahs are there um but their their ego i mean i feel you feel like the will of the person's on you you ever been um at a, a conference or a ministry, and someone's doing the tithing, the offering, the preaching about money, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's not just your like your stigma maybe towards something or the filter of it, but you hear it, and you're like, oh my lord, this is rough. You know what I mean? And uh, and it just it feels like they're willing you to like a salesman to put money in the bucket or whatever. You know, you ever been in something like that? The, yeah, the the power of the principles are there. But when someone does like an offering or tithe or something like that, in their spirit, they're honest, the love, the the goodness of the Lord is there. You feel that the person's in the spirit. The fruits of the spirit feel like they're there. The lordship feels like it's there. The breath of the Lord feels like it's there. And that's a powerful thing. You You know, I've been around all kinds of prophetic communities and we learn practical things. I could give you I, what, the, actually what I wanted to teach you about today. I'm going to have to come back. No, just, <laughs> you mind if I come back? Um, um, uh, I wanted to teach you in how to receive and hear a prophetic word, what to do with it, and how to give prophetic words well. Uh, the, there's something that's so valuable and powerful in the way, if you, can, if you know how to receive really well, it helps you kind of discern and filter through some of the junk, some of the man. Um, and it helps you know how to apply it in wisdom. There's a lot of like key, things that go with it. And then on, on giving it, there's a lot of wisdom that goes into there. So I was gonna, also going to talk about stuff like that and, you know, why, why some people say, like, don't say, um, thus saith the Lord. Why some people do. Um, why um, some people say don't um, prophesy about babies or marriages. And why some people do. You know, diff- just different things and cultures even with that and why those things come up and how what's probably the healthiest and best for you in responding um, and also giving at the same way because we all need to be just great at it. If we're great at it, it helps the whole culture be like Paul and Agabus and Philip and Philip's daughters and the believers on the ship and all this culture that can just hear the Lord so sharply. They're seeing angels all the time. They see angels so often they think it's just Peter's angel. You know, I mean, they're praying all the time and busting people out of prison with their prayers. You know, I mean, they're just doing incredible things all the time. We want that culture. We actually want greater than that culture because Jesus says, keep going and do better than the former. 
You know what I mean? That's us. That's our time. That's us and our generation. That's our people is to do greater and better. And we want to learn how to do things really well, to be sharp and precise and excellent like Daniel and Joseph in doing stuff. We just want to be excellent, just so sharp at it. Like Jesus, we want to be at the level of the prophet Jesus level. We want to be at his level because Jesus says, come to my level and I'm going to really push you actually to go farther because I'm a, I'm a generous person. I father's heart. I, I want you to be at my level and display me, manifest the Christ within you. You know, I, mean, I want you to do this stuff. Um, so I, I, I want to be able to do that. But man, if we can get walking in the spirit right, if we can get moving in the spirit right, if we can discern well um, the things of the spirit and being in the spirit. Now, when I say um, uh, and I talk about learning how to be in the spirit in a culture that we can and a standard that we can attain, we really can and step into. I'm really trying to say in a lot of different ways. I just realized the time. Sorry. Y'all good? Everyone's good? Um, um, I, what I'm, I'm trying to say is don't let's not get into a place of being judgmental and critical when someone's not. Because then we get into like I was before I had that garment on. When we get judgmental and critical, we get out of blessing and we get the tongue of the enemy. Right? And we do that way too much in the church already. We can't do that more. Uh, when we start getting critical and judgmental, we get the gossip going, we get the murmuring going, we stir up um, destructive things, we get criticism in our head, which just murders you know, our purpose and destiny. It just builds up fear in our minds and in our lives. We don't need that tongue, we don't need that voice, we don't need that place. We learn how to speak to people in wisdom. We learn how to recognize what is God and what is not, what to step into and what to. The word used for a seer and a prophet, when, you know in the Old Testament, when they're talking about a seer, Samuel the seer, Gad the seer, Nathan the prophet. So it used to be, it basically used to be that they were all called a seer. Then it's kind of like a doctor. You know how a doctor, we used to, maybe, maybe um, um, some of you will remember this, but growing up, it used to be everyone went and saw that doctor in town. Now there's like 10 different doctors, right? There's a doctor for this, a doctor for that, a doctor for this. Everyone used to go to the same person, and hopefully that one doctor could do it all, right? Uh, it used to be more like that. It was, it was kind of like that. Used, they used to be called, the prophet used to be called a seer, and then they got more specific in their role, and one was called a seer and one was called a prophet. And a seer kind of sees and feels and all the senses the whole head. A prophet is, is more a voice, it's kind of that rhema, that, that, that quickening. It's just, it bursts out. The revelation bursts out. The spirit of prophecy comes and they are a voice. And they, they speak or they prophesy. Over, they just have, it's on their lips. You know what I'm saying? The word for a prophet is a mouth. It literally is a mouth. The picture is for a mouth. The, the seer, is, it's a head. It's just this big head. Um, it, it literally is some of the pictures... Um, it, it, of a seer, it's a big tent, and they, it shows the man cutting with the head, cutting a hole in the tent. And he's because outside the tent, which is the tent, is the earth, our realm. Outside of that is the invisible realm, the larger realm, right? So he can see and open up things into a place. That's it's, so. When it used to be like that, but with the seer, they were so particular. The seer would just discern everything. And he was so particular because he would come in and it would not be just you go to see the seer, but 
the seer would come in and discern and perceive the language, discern and perceive what was spoken of God and what was not. They oft, that's why you, even when the, the person prophesies, have two or three there with them to judge it. It's talking about having multiple people to, if, when they prophesy, to discern the Lord within the thing. So what they would do, you'd have two or three prophets ministering and doing different things, or multiple prophets ministering and doing things, and just going at it with prophetic ministry. And they would he, it'd stick out. It was the voice within the voice. It was the highlight on a thing, or on something said, or the weight on the, the many things that were said, but the weight on that one area. And they would discern that area, and they would lean into that again. And then they'd lean into that again. Does that make sense? And they almost followed a river of the highlight that was in the voice. If it was all the voice, they were all in the river. So it's crazy um, to think about it like that. We say we have to discern what the Lord is saying, the voice within the voice. So let me just pray over somebody. Is there someone named Richard in here? Richard? I keep hearing Richard. Sound guy, so he's a sound guy. I was going to ask you if he did something with worship, because uh, there is some type of call on him. Actually, as a father, as a pa- pastoral father, a fathering kind of thing. Um, Richard, if you're a sound guy, you're going to hear this somehow. There's some type of fathering um, thing, uh, and that he's supposed to release life. He's a, a looser of life. There's a, the words of life and. The giver of life. He's going to be a true tree that just brings life um, to it. And just the Lord has, um, he must be on his mind. Because I've, I've seen and heard like three different Richards I know back in. I'm like, okay, they're all Richard, Lord. I, I, I think you're saying something with Richard. So, uh, But Richard's going to be a person that really brings life and declares and speaks. And there's even a song or something of a song. Um, and I'm um, bringing life, the word of life. Um, is going to just flow out of his mouth in such a true way, such a real living true way. Is there someone that is about to do like a major surgery? Anybody about to do a major surgery or just came off a big surgery? Um, you are? Um, I want to just pray over that for the surgery. I, I, just, I just heard surgery real quick. So I, I don't have specifics to it. So you, you're one. Is there anybody else? Just a big surgery. Um, anybody else? Get one? Okay, let's, let's just do a few people around right here. Just pray over her that it goes well, that the, the anxiety, the fear, the worries, the, finance, ooh, the finances for it, um, it just goes well. So just put your hands on her. That's okay. You know most of the people around you. If you don't, um, put, just pull their hand off um, or something like that. Um, Lord, I just, I just thank you for your daughter. I just thank you that um, you are the Prince of Peace. I just ask that the Prince of Peace would walk around the room, walk around her body, walk around her life, walk around her home, and that the Prince of Peace would breathe into every arena, every arena that's been overwhelming, every arena that's um, um, just had just a fear attached, where the, even the enemy has just tried to attach fear and make you feel overwhelmed or make you feel bogged down and uh, even distracted like so much is going on, you don't know what to do, and you just want to get away or go to sleep or something. I, you see the Lord just bringing peace and um, filling the house, filling you with peace. And that um, I, I just hear the Lord just saying, it, uh, it'll go well with you. Things will be well with you, like a, um, a report or a, a word. It will go well in Jesus' mighty name, uh, that it will go well. A good report in the name of Jesus of Nazareth and the peace of the Lord be in the house, be in the home, be in the room in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus.
Um, I, I just want to close by um, praying over you guys. I don't want to take too long. I hope everyone is still doing good. Is this, is this okay? Is this good? This makes sense. I, I feel this could be substance of going, um, you know, taking things somewhere. And I also, during worship, I just saw like a, um, over here, I just saw almost like a, a large window, um, like a, you know, that you sees the sky. And I feel like the picture is going to be when you need the Lord to come in, I just see a wind that can come in. To, um, he'll, help, he'll teach you how to open the window so the wind can come in. And I feel like the Lord wants um, almost to cultivate a, a new wind, a breath, a new wind, a, a wind that can move around and carry people to a destination um, spiritually, a destination with the Lord, to new destinations. There's this a new destination for destiny. And I just, I just, there's a new destination. Y'all are going to have some movement happen. I just want to encourage you to stay in the flow of that um, wind, to stay in the flow of that destination because the Lord is actually taking y'all somewhere. Y'all are in a little bit of a journey right now. I just feel like y'all are in a little bit of a journey right now that the Lord is actually going to take you to a new spot and this spot is actually going to help you really um, move forward, even long term, um, move forward um, in a very good way, a very strong way. Um, in Jesus' name, it's going to establish a lot of things that are going to help build the house um, in a lot of good ways. Uh, so I just encourage you guys with that. Um, but anybody have just real quick um, a dream? I love dreams when the Lord speaks at night through dreams. Uh, Matthew thirteen thirty four is one of my favorite scriptures. The Lord often spoke in parable and allegory. Actually, only once that we know that he did not actually speak in parable or allegory um, was to his disciples. Um, but So I love the language, the picture of the Lord um, when we sleep at night. Does anybody have a quick dream? They have. They want to know what the meaning of it is. Anybody in here? Are we dreamless? Let me let me just pray over this. Let me pray over you guys for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, where are you in this train? Mm-hmm. Getting near the parrot? Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to repeat it back to make sure I got everything. Just correct me if I got it wrong. I'm going to say it loud enough so everyone could hear it on the far side, too, as well. Um, so, you're in this room. And in the room, uh, um, you don't know where you are exactly or on the bed. Are you looking through your eyes, by the way? Um, and so you're, probably, you're looking through your eyes, so you probably can't see yourself so well. You're probably looking at it when you're looking through your eyes. Am I right? Um, and then uh, all of a sudden comes in a nurse, and it has a parrot. In the, um, um, but you can also see a golden thing that's kind of dark. Like a dark, like a dark gold. So it's not very bright. It's just dim in general a little bit in the dream. 
and then there's a parrot in there um, that uh, it's actually a really interesting dream. Um, I'll tell you why in just a minute. Um, and there's a parrot in there, and you're unsure about the parrot. Uh, and the, but the nurse is in there trying to tend to this parrot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awkward for that to be in the a nurse's room, in her healing room in general. Okay, so this is actually a very interesting dream. It actually goes along with what I just talked about. Because um, a bird is a spiritual thing in general. A bird is a natural spiritual thing. Um, like the dove is the Holy Spirit. So things that move or function in the air in the spirit, it's a spiritual thing. This is a parrot. Um, parrots are odd in general. Right? They're odd things. They're not stuff that we all always see just flying around. Actually, they can live in our house or in our place. It's an odd thing. It has a, um, it's dark in nature, and there's kind of gold on the wings. Does that make sense? And there's a nurse. So the nurse actually is the Holy Spirit. The, the nurse is actually the Holy Spirit in this. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit is a, it's a feminine tone. On the spirit, uh, the word spirit is in a, a feminine tone in the Hebrew and in the Greek. Um, and uh, so it's talking about the Holy Spirit is, um, is trying to help bring life and brightness and um, reality to um, the, basically the spiritual things, the functioning in the spirit. Right now, um, um, what you're, in other words, this is what the dream means. Uh, right now, what you're seeing that's going around is odd um, spiritual things, spiritual things that seem unusual and repeated, what parrot repeats, Right can mimic and repeat things that seem repeated, um, but it's, tr- it's trying to bring out the gold is the glory of the Lord. So the gold is actually w- a very good in dreams. It's, it's the awe or the glory or the holy of, of the Lord. Um, so um, the Holy Spirit is helping bring healing to a lot of spiritual areas to not make it um, odd and weird or... Um, 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 mimicking and repeating everything, but to bring out the real glory so it can take off, the real movement of the Lord so it can take off. So that dream, she's not, she, when she's looking at the dream and she's not fully in it, that means it's what she's seeing and what she's hearing. It's not, the dream is not about her. Does that make sense? If she was in the dream, walking around, the dream would be about her and her life, but it's not. So um, it's what she's hearing and seeing across um, uh, on what's happening spiritually. So that's actually really confirming for me. This is actually the Lord. Um, because I feel like that happened last time I was here. Wasn't there something like that happened? Someone had a dream. I was like, wait a minute. Um, um, that's actually a very confirming dream. And this is why it's so good for me to hear. I, I always ask for a confirmation on why I'm speaking what I'm speaking. Because I will come... I'll come with something different, and then I'll say something different. And I'm, I'm like, Lord, help me know that what I'm saying is confirmed by you. There's a witness. There's another witness by you. I believe this house is going to learn how to really walk in the Spirit and even shine. When you guys get all the other, uh, so, sometimes when you live in a religious area, I, I'm from the Bible Belt. Remember this? I'm from North Carolina. I, I grew up in Charleston. I'm from... Uh, I, I was born on a farm in Concord. Me and Billy Graham we were just a little bit younger, older. Um, I, was, I mean, I'm you know I'm from Concord, you know Concord, you know what I mean. Um, 
and, uh, I, and so I'm from this area. I know how the religion side of it can be squelching. It can be overwhelming. And you're like, why? Um, sometimes it can be ruthless a little bit. Um, but, uh, um, man, you are going to be an expression of really the true things of the Spirit and be a light to that. And people will start to see the glory of the Lord when you move and even when you function. And um, the stuff that's happening out there that seems strange, maybe um, um, you guys are going to really learn how to see and know the things of the Spirit. Be, not, I'm not just talking about here. I'm talking about in general. Things you're attached to, the prophetically, the things of the Spirit that are happening around some things that you probably discern like you're discerning in the dream. Some things that you guys may have discerned that other prophetic voices or people or things that you've heard or, 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 or been said or been repeated maybe 50 times that seems off or weird or funny or you don't know what to do with or seems a little bit like it's just on repetition maybe and it's not, it's not fresh revelation, real moment-to-moment um, -moment revelation or in-the-hour revelation, um, you guys are going to be able to discern that and see the real thing until it really takes off. really are. Let's go on. Yeah. Yeah, let's do one more. Come on. In real life, there had been some drama. This is, a good, this, is a, this is actually a good dream. Again, it kind of communicates a little bit of the topic of the day in a very good way. It's, again, the Lord is fathering each of you, of you guys in this dream. He's, he's giving you discernment and being able to see what's true, what's actually there, and what's real, the reality. So you, with the Lord, with the things of the Spirit, it will bring reality into the, it's like seeing a, a, the whole view or a more of a perspective than just a three-dimensional kind of thing. So this is very good in this way. So um, it's, actually, it's actually even talking about what, as so uh, old country road or old country house and you being on the porch. Being on the front porch is something that's going to happen in the future. And on the road, in other words, the path it takes um, to go there. And in this situation, that's my two-month-old um, Goldie is actually her name. Um, Golden, Golden Joy is her real name. We call her Goldie. Um, but uh, um, for you, in discerning this, 
you're, it's telling you what you're right. You're absolutely right. It's a confirmation the Lord is communicating you. It's saying, hey, in your future and looking at the path that you're going, I want you to know those people and people like that. It's, it's talking, it's a metaphor for friends, that those friends and friends that are like that. They have an appearance of something that they're going to do, but they're really just drunk. And it's, it's like throwing pearls before swine. It's like throwing pearls before swine. So, in other, in other words, it's a, it's a, again, it's a dream that brings discernment as you move forward in life because she's on the front porch. So, if, if you're at your house and you're in the front yard, it's talking about your future. If, you're at your ha- if and you have a dream, you're in your house, it's talking about your, and you're in the backyard, it's talking about your past. Um, this is an old, uh, it's a country house, it's not necessarily her house, so it's talking about in this area because not, it's not her life necessarily. In this area or of this area, um, as she looks at her future and goes down this road, she's going to be able to discern, uh, and the Lord is helping her to discern uh, what's wasting her time and what's um, not, uh, so that she can move forward to the right people and throw pearls before um, people that really want it. And so it's, to, it's giving you discernment for exactly and confirming exactly what you're thinking. Um, they're not ready yet. This is wasting your time. They might be ready later on which could be true, but in the moment they have an appearance of that, but not um, the reality is not happening in that way. Um, so it's a very good, very helpful probably dream uh, for time and energy and all that kind of stuff that goes along with it. Sound good? Everyone good? All right, let me pray for you. Sound good? All right. Lord, I thank you for everybody. Lord, I thank you that you're giving dreams and visions and the understanding and the discernment of between soul and spirit, between gifts and works that are from you and that carry your fruit and that are not, Lord, that we're, we're learning how to recognize where you are Lord. And where the Lord is, there is liberty in Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, we thank you that we're learning how to recognize when the Lord is there and when it's not the Lord. That when there's an appearance of God, but the Lord is not Lord over that area, over that thing, or over that arena. Lord, I just ask that you'd help them to function and and be powerful and be led by the Spirit. That they would be a true example of Romans 8 and being led by the Spirit and being true sons and daughters of God that the earth in our hour is groaning for. Lord, I just ask that You'd help them to discern when other people are taking advantage or functioning out of a different place. Lord, that it's good, but it's maybe not God. That You're giving them wisdom and discernment in this hour to lead their life with strong grace and love in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, loose over them. I even pray for a fresh wind. Just a fresh wind, Lord Jesus, to carry them into the power of their destiny, to the next place of their destiny, so that they can follow the cloud well, Lord Jesus. A wind that will carry them with grace to their next cloud appointment, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. So we just thank You, Lord. Give them dreams and visions that will continue to pastor them from your voice, Lord, on the journey and on the journey of life in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much. God bless you, Josh. Amen. That was good, wasn't it? I mean, you know, I was thinking the whole time he was he was ministering that, you know, this whole year we have spent we have spent this whole year talking about the supernatural. And we've talked about uh, learning how to learning how to go not operating in the flesh, but operating in the spirit. And man, I mean, Josh, I'm telling you, that just put a that put a stamp on everything I preached this year. 
Oops. And I mean, and so that was a great word, an awesome word. So thank you for that. Amen. So uh, very, very encouraging. Well, we want to give you an opportunity to uh, to show into Brother Josh's ministry. Uh, you got to meet his wife and and. Uh, his two kids, and he's got a third one, but she's they're just she's not here uh, with her with him today. But uh, but uh, so we want to be a blessing to him as he's up here in North Carolina for a week or week and a half or so. So we want to send him send him off today uh, blessed. Amen. A hundred percent of the offering will go to to uh, Josh and their ministry. And uh, man, I tell you, this is a great word. You know, I mean, this this was a word that uh, this wasn't meat milk this morning. Amen. It was meat.